Hi, and welcome to Choice Words, a podcast by and for book nerds. My name is Ray, your blogger for bookinfested.com and local cryptid. And my name is Gracie, your local pigeon and published poet. And what are we going to be doing today, Gracie? We're doing another book review. This one is both of us. What, what? <laughs> yeah, I know we just did a book review, but uh, I read this book and then immediately was like, Gracie! <laughs> yes. You must read this. And um, I just finished it yesterday, day before, it, yeah. as we're recording. Either yeah. yesterday or the day before. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it was yesterday. I don't know why I'm emphatically... <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really matter. The well, point being, I finished this book yesterday and then went... Ah! <laughs> so we decided it would be a good podcast episode. We have talked a bit about this book off pod as well. So we will do our best to kind of recreate that conversation and maybe dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, as always, these book reviews are very spoiler heavy. So if you've not read the book, we encourage you to do that before you check out this um, episode. So what book are we reviewing today? Uh, we are talking about Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Um, and so I'm just going to give a brief synopsis here. Yes. Um, so essentially, um, Piranesi lives in the house, mm-hmm. um, which is this labyrinthian, never-ending, um, almost Grecian or Roman pillared home. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hmm. Almost like Colosseum-like. Yeah, very Colosseum-like. Um, and it is filled with thousands upon thousands of statues. There are three levels. One is the bottom level is the ocean, middle level level is like the living floor, which is all just a bunch of halls, and then the top level is like the clouds and the sky, yes. but it's all contained inside of the house. Yes. And so Piranesi lives inside of this home and the story kind of um, follows his journey as he learns more about the house and the only other person that he knows that exists in the world of the house um and that is the other yes um and that's basically the most of what i can say without completely (laughs) giving the story away yeah um so anyone who wanted to hear the synopsis but didn't want any spoilers um now is the time to now click away and go read the book yes Yes. (laughs) it's very good 10 out of 10 would recommend reading it well, we'll say Well, maybe not 10 today. out of 10. <laughs> we'll, we'll say we'll that to the end. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that I've given a brief synopsis, what are some of your initial thoughts? <sighs> yeah. So as you were reading this, and you had kind of been telling me bits and pieces as you are going through, I was very confused. Yeah. Very because... intrigued. And excited to read it when you were done. <laughs> yeah. I gave, like very little context to what I was telling you. And they were all wild But things. on top of it, like, the book is just very, not trippy, but just... It's a wild time. It's, it's a it's a weird book. I would... Surreal? Surreal Maybe. is yeah. a better word. Because weird implies, like, uncomfortable. And it's not an yeah. uncomfortable book. Yeah. It's just very surreal. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, just the... I, I had never read any of Susanna Clarke's books before, and so um, going into this kind of blind to the author's style, I, I loved the writing style and the yes. distinct voice and even the distinct way of writing, which like obviously we'll get into a little bit more as we talk about Piranesi, the character, but the way that this book was written is not only a beautiful story, but it's like beautiful to look at, mm. uh, or at least very interesting to look at. And... Um, you can tell the author spent a lot of time not only on how the book feels to read, but how it physically looks while you're reading it, um, which was a really cool concept that I, as somebody who typically lands more in the like poetry um, mm-hmm. style of writing, really appreciated in this fiction novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because um, we both also just read an advanced reader copy of um, a comp complex sentence i think is the name of the chat book yeah and like we both were like it visually is very aesthetically pleasing but like writing wise yeah wasn't neither of us super, really enjoyed it it wasn't yeah wasn't for us and so to find a, a book that lands in that middle ground of like just looking at the page it's very aesthetically pleasing um but then also reading it is oh my gosh very pleasing yeah absolutely yeah and i do think the like character voice that um, the author gives to Piranesi and all versions of Piranesi. Yes. <laughs> is 
it's a difficult thing to do because mastering different characters and different voices is a really difficult thing mm-hmm. to do. Um, and she does it so well. Yeah. Like, at this point, I'm very excited to read her other book, um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Yeah, I, it's definitely on my list now as well. Yeah. And oddly enough, I read, like, the first page of that book before I ever picked up Piranesi. Yeah. And then I, like, blew through Piranesi and was yeah. just like, yes, please. Yes, please, more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, as far as, like, initial thoughts for me, um, it feels... So, Gracie is one of those people who does more research about the authors than I do. Um, <laughs> I've said before that I feel like a work of literature should be able to stand on its own without the input of the author. Um, and Gracie's one of those people that wants to know more about authors. Yes. So it was this really interesting, like, middle ground um, where Gracie was doing some research and... Um, doing then... research post-reading. Post-reading. I tend to like to go into reading not knowing anything about the author if I don't know anything about them and then after I've read the book go all right now I want to know everything about this person (laughs) yeah so doing some research um post reading um and I guess Susanna Clark um studied philosophy and Mm -hmm. whatnot and you can definitely tell reading this because to me reading this book feels very philosophical like it it feels um, I was actually just thinking about this today, but it feels like one of those philosophical metaphors. Mm. Um, and it feels like it's meant to be a story about other things. Yeah. Um, which I think we'll kind of talk about a little bit more yeah. because Gracie and I both had like a similar feeling about yes. some of what it's supposed to be mirroring, which I will say this um, up front. These are just our thoughts. We don't actually know what Susanna's right. Clark's intention, yes. Susanna Clark's intentions were with this. Yeah. While I did do some research on the author themselves, I didn't um, necessarily look into anything that she had said about this book specifically. It was mostly just like, to be honest, it was her Wikipedia page and then the Wikipedia page for the book. That was as far as I did for research so far. I, I would like to do more, but I haven't at to this up to this point. Um, so yeah, so we're coming from this, just talking about our opinions. This is our review. Um, we, uh, you know, obviously we don't know the, what the author intended and we're not trying to put words in the author's mouth. Yeah, th- this is just how we connected with the text. Mm-hmm. Someone else might read this text and get a completely different... Yeah idea about it yeah Um, and if you had read this book in fact and you got something completely different or even if you got something similar to us we would love to hear about that please yeah Um, (laughs) i would love to do a deep deep dive on this book with someone (laughs) yeah this is definitely one of those books that i feel like should be in a college literary class oh yeah and could potentially also be in like a college philosophy class yeah just because of like you can use it in Mm -hmm. so many different ways yeah um that being said, I do want to kind of step over into talking about um, kind of what we thought about it in the realm of, like, mental health combos. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I will say again, Gracie and I had similar thoughts, but kind of different conclusions in the yeah. form of this book. <laughs> um, so to give context for where we're coming from... For much of the book, it's up to interpretation as to whether or not what is happening to Piranesi is real. Mm-hmm. If it's 100% set in a fantasy world, if it's supposed to be magical realism, um, or, as we both thought at first, that it was some sort of a hallucination yeah. um, or, like, a trauma response yeah. sort of disassociation. Yeah. Um, so... From my point of view, and again, Gracie, you can mm-hmm. um, jump in and say your point of view or, or counter, mm-hmm. um, but for for roughly half the book, um, I thought that it was 100% like, well, not, not 100%. At the very beginning of the book, I thought it was full fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the book progressed up until about the halfway point... Um, I thought that it was like a a hallucination um, because there are a lot of like real world things that seep into yeah. Piranesi's life. Um, and the fact that like the other keeps showing up and bringing him things that are very mm-hmm. much like modern real world things. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like he talks about 
oh, the other brought me, uh, the other being the only other person that lives in the world. Yes, that's or, the name he is given. Yeah. The, by, uh, by the other person. Yeah. Um, you know, the other brought me shoes. And they're like, clearly shoes, like brand name from shoes. From a store. From a store. <laughs> like he gets them in a shoe box with a logo right. on the front and everything. And like at one point he finds um, like crisp packets. Yeah. And like... Um, like wrappers from food, like mm-hmm. stuff that you would buy like from gas like a station. gas station yeah. food, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is hilarious, but also is has that question of like, okay, so is he in a fantasy world or is this all like a hallucination? And I, for right. a very long time, thought that it was like an extreme form of mm-hmm. disassociating, like trauma response, kind of, yeah. Um, drawing into yourself and your own inner world yeah. until about the halfway point when it started talking about um, this like weird cult surrounding um, a person who was like a philosopher and into the occult who believed yes. that like this world um, was basically the existence like a it's difficult to explain without going into the whole explanation in the book yeah um, basically but- like the this uh, cult leader for mm-hmm. lack of a better term um believed that magic or like arcane power ancient power existed on earth and you know we you know the ancients could interact with it and utilize it and then when humanity stopped utilizing it it had to go somewhere and that's what he believed this house was the result of Mm -hmm. was that leftover power seeping out of earth yeah um, the way it's kind of described in the book is, like, by the time you find the house, um, it is this, like, residual leftover thing. And he, he describes it as water running through a rock until mm-hmm. it becomes a canyon. Mm-hmm. The water isn't there anymore, but you can still see the after effects yes. of that water. Yeah. Um, so the house is that canyon, effectively. Right. Um, so this cult leader had, like, drawn in a bunch of different people... Um, and tried to like find this house because initially he thought that's where the power was Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until decades later that he was like no I don't think it's there anymore Mm -hmm. Um, and the point when I started to be like oh no this is actually like a place in the universe um, was when it talked about one of the cult members released some like art house type film that Mm -hmm. filmed and described in the film um what was a description of the house but it was very grainy and like poor footage and was kind of reviewed as like this underground cool like film thing um and that was when i was like oh no this is actually like a real thing um but i still think that the book opens up some really interesting conversations about mental health and mental illnesses and the world surrounding that i'm gonna like yeah you talk a little bit more about that gracie on from your perspective because yours is a little bit different from mine yeah very similarly i when i started it out thought that it was just you know full fantasy um i think the moment where it really started switching over for me and and i will say Susanna clark does a brilliant job of unraveling this story in the exact way that I wanted it to go mm-hmm. you know and like and not that I like knew what was going to be happening obviously again like we said we didn't know about this book until we read it um but it unraveled in in exactly the way it needed to for this story to work um but there are these little moments like the shoes and then there's a list of I think one of the first moments for me of like oh clearly this isn't like this isn't fantasy this isn't just Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a cool story about this guy in this cool place that's weird. Um, I think one of the first for me was that list that he has uh, of yeah. the things that other has given him. Yeah. Because um, just to reiterate, these this book is written as journal entries. Yes, yes. Um, and I don't know Actually, if I don't even know if we said that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I did, but I <clears throat> might have not said it fully. This book is written as journal entries, but it's not like... This day, dear diary, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like, naming... Uh, convention. Convention. The calendar. Yeah. His naming conventions in the calendar that he uses to, like, mark all of his dates are, like, 
the 15th day of the sixth month in the year the albatross came to the southernmost halls Mm -hmm. which is like wild when you're when you're reading this and you're like oh this is actually like in the real world anyway yeah one of the things that he has in there is in one of the pages he's like a list of things the other has given me yes and makes a list and one of them is like matchbooks and multivitamins multivitamins right and so and so this list you know contains like survival tools and like things that you would give somebody if you're trying to make basically it's like it reminded me similarly of like what they tell you to put in packs for like homeless people Mm. Um, obviously with some other weird things thrown in or like things he needed specifically for this but like I was reading this list and I was like oh oh no he's being kept somewhere Mm, and so I similarly you know around that same time was having this this realization of like oh god oh no (laughs) oh no this is so much this isn't just a fantasy world this is some actual person in an actual place i i did not come to the and even at the end of the book right right i talked about this before i held on to the this is just a hallucination much longer than ray did um i think for me especially reading these journal entries about like this other person who was interacting with him and then through the course of uh, piranesi trying to find out more about the house and about other and about you know the mysterious new person who's going to be showing up soon. Um, he discovers a, another person who, well, he doesn't discover, he discovers information about James Ritter, mm. who was Piranesi before Piranesi was. He was the last person in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I was like, oh, this is a, an, this is an experiment. And, and around that same time, in that same section of the book is when, you know, that um, short film is discussed and, and, you know, these things are unraveling and unraveling. And so in my mind, it was a, like, this person has been kidnapped and is being kept somewhere in my head still. I was like, somewhere on earth mm-hmm. <laughs> and is being, like, brainwashed and forced to hallucinate these um, wild things that have to do with this short film mm-hmm. to support the wild claims that this scientist quote unquote Mm -hmm. is making for his cult and so for me that belief of this is a hallucination this is Mm -hmm. a retreating into your own mind because of trauma response um went on for much farther in the book it wasn't until literally a police officer shows up in the house (laughs) um and i i'll say this for anybody who might be listening going wow that sounds kind of extreme in, yeah. in the context of the story, it makes sense because, like, there is a part... Um, so the way Piranesi starts learning about his life before the house is he finds old journal entries from when he could still remember that life. Yes. And so when the, the short film and uh, James Ritter are all discussed, it's in his former journal entries. Yes, it's his own words. It's his own words. And he doesn't remember them. And he doesn't remember them. But um, the reason why, like... I can 100% see Gracie's point of view and like respect it and think that it's a valid point of view. Um, Not that I wouldn't respect it otherwise, (laughs) but I mean like it makes sense. And if that's the interpretation that you take away from this as well, um, that is one, in my opinion, a very valid Mm -hmm. way to look at it because there is a point in those journals where it discuss going into this cult, a cleaning lady in this cult leader's house found basically a secret room Mm -hmm. with James Ritter inside. And he clearly like was essentially catatonic. Right. And the only time that he, I guess, feels alive or feels good is normal is when he gets a job at, what was it like a library or a Mm -hmm. government building or something that has just these immense halls that are similar to the halls in the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a weird and difficult book to talk about, especially mm-hmm. in kind of abstract and to not just give away every detail and basically read you the book verbatim. <laughs> yeah, um, but <clears throat> I really liked that it it does kind of open up this conversation about mental health mm-hmm. um, because for so long it does give this back and forth of like is this in the context of the world a real place right or is it a trauma response and especially by the end of the book for me um it seemed like 
it had some strong parallels with um, the concept of like DID, which uh, mm-hmm. for those who don't know is called is the shortened version of dissociative identity disorder, what was formerly known as multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, as we're getting into this, Ray and I are not experts. Neither of n- us have DID. No. We just, I have had friends with DID. Same. Yeah. And so we, we know about it in the way from, that- From like, an outsider's yes, perspective. Yeah. Um, we know about it from like an outsider's perspective and having like interacted with people with DID. Um, but we are not speaking about this from a personal- Right. right. Yeah. Um, and the only reason why I say that it made me think about- the idea of DID is that um, Piranesi, when the police officer shows up and starts talking to Piranesi, and Piranesi realizes how he wound up in the house mm-hmm. um, and like everything that has gone on since then, um, his f- name used to be Matthew, mm-hmm. um, and the other just always referred to him as Piranesi. Right. Um, and so, and even throughout the book, Piranesi says, "I don't know that that's my name. It's just what the other calls me." Right. Um, and then later he does say, like, I am Piranesi. Right. Um, and so it's this weird thing of, like, when the police officer, like, talks to him and is like, are you Matthew Rose? He is like, I am no longer Matthew Rose. Right. I am Piranesi. Matthew Rose is asleep inside of me. Mm-hmm. He's here and, like, touches his chest and he's like, he's here, but I'm not him. Right. And then later when Piranesi goes back to the real world... He says, I'm no longer Piranesi. I am the one who once was Matthew Rose. Yes. And he has, like, conscious knowledge of both of their opinions. Mm -hmm. um, Both of them being Piranesi and Matthew Rose. He's, like, consciously aware of their opinions and their thoughts on things in life. But they don't um, really come out anymore. Um, It's just... Internal. Internal. Um, Yeah. So... Which seems to me, again, just from outside experience, research that Mm -hmm. I've done, people that I've known, is similar to the idea of, like, alters fronting and And, whatnot. And the way that the author kind of distinguishes between these characters is is very apparent. Again, we don't know what the author's intent was. I don't know if the author had DID in mind when she was writing this book. But because these are all journals, they're all, you know, very personal mm-hmm. and the difference between Piranesi's writing Matthew's writing and the one who used to be Matthew they all have very distinct feels and voices and even writing structure mm-hmm. like the sentence structure and capitalization is different from you know alter to alter if that's what we want to call them mm-hmm. um so it, it definitely gives off that feel um in a way that is very well done and, and again, don't know the author's intent, but from an outsider's perspective, at least, I have seen it done poorly with mm-hmm. intent. Um, and this this raises a lot of really interesting questions about kind of approaching that subject. Yeah. And again, I, I don't have DID, so I don't right. know um, how someone with DID might feel about this. But I feel in some ways it is better than a lot of literature that has, as you said, been done poorly representing DID and it was representative with intent. Right. Um, so I do feel like that this book could be used as well as a tool to like talk about um, DID as simply a thing that is rather mm-hmm. than something that is scary yeah. or um, I guess upsetting. Yeah. Um, kind of moving away from the conversation of DID specifically, because again, we're not experts and we don't know the author's intent, is just the simply the idea of like the fractured self. Mm, yeah. Of just like there are different parts of you, um, especially people who have been through traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and again, none of this is to say that like everybody who has trauma is going to either imagined or really you know go to a different world but but especially like i do have disassociation and Mm -hmm. there are times where like sometimes i'm not here Mm -hmm. i'm not necessarily in a place for some people they are in a different place um you know mentally but that kind of switching back and forth like when i am dissociating i do feel a little bit like i'm not here Mm -hmm. and it is a very interesting thing to kind of um, to see written really well. Um, and that opens a lot of doors for conversations about that, whether fictional or 
in real life. Like, it's a cool concept. And I, I think it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Really, really well written. I do think that another thing to, that I think why it kind of tracks with people who have similar feelings surrounding their mental illness too, mm-hmm. is that like when, um, Piranesi comes back and becomes the one who is no longer Matthew, um, he talks about like the family being happy to see him, mm-hmm. but they want Matthew. They yeah. don't want him. Yeah. And that is something oh. that I feel like, um, a lot of people, not just people who suffer with mental illness, but like a lot of people who have gone through really intense things in their life, mm-hmm. um, kind of can track with emotionally as well because there is this idea of like you go through something really really heavy or really really difficult and once it's over there's this idea of like oh we want Matthew we want that previous version of things are gonna go back to the way they were before and to quote Lord of the Rings you know in your heart there is no going back (laughs) um now we're gonna have to put Lord of the Rings in the end credits (laughs) Yeah, um, but there, there it does come a point where it's like you, you go through something um, like heavy enough and intense enough, mm-hmm. and you are not the same person. Right, you are a different person. Um, maybe not to the extreme of you're saying, you know, I, I am the one no, who is right. no longer Ray. Right, um, right. But like, um. But I think that that is something that can really track as well is like mm-hmm. people who have not gone through the same life experience as you, whether right. that's a thing that happened um, just in like everyday life or if it's a mental illness thing, mm-hmm. um, people who haven't gone through it may not be able to, um, n- not that they can't understand, but they may not be able to fully right. understand the person that you are now on the other side of it or in the midst of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a very powerful commentary on life mm-hmm. without, may, maybe without purposefully being a commentary on life. Yeah. I don't know how purposefully uh, that yeah. was. Um, again. God, I would love to talk to Clark. <laughs> oh my <Male>. God. Male. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I do feel like there are a lot of things, just real life things that are paralleled very yeah. well in this book, whether it was intentional or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you did a little research on... I P- did. Piranesi, not the character. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm so curious I- <laughs> to hear some of what you found and some of your thoughts and how this relates. Yeah, so as I was reading through, as again, I said, it was the Wikipedia page for Piranesi, the book. Um, it talks about a lot of the illusions that it's ma- that it makes. So the book starts out with um, two quotes, one of which is from The Magician's Nephew, which there are actually, I don't, if, have you read The Magician's Nephew? A long time ago. Okay. Like, yeah. I remember next to nothing about <laughs> Yeah. I remember that there's the room with all the pools and that he, yes. like, cuts a chunk yep, out yep, of yep. the dirt to, yeah. like, show the red clay and that the witch, like, started freaking out when yeah. she was in that room. Yeah. There are a lot of um, similarities between this uh, um, the magician's nephew and this, which I I would assume since there is the quote in the beginning of the book was at least partially intentional. Um, there are a couple of characters who are named after books from the magician's nephew and um, the world between worlds. That's what that place is mm-hmm. called. Um, and then also this concept of the like wild and fantastic magician slash scientist or whatever who needs, you know, people to essentially experiment on, which is what happens in The Magician's Nephew, and it also is literally what happens to Piranesi. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things. One of the other ones is that the title Piranesi is an allusion to an 18th century Italian artist um, named Giovanni Battista Piranesi. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Sorry mm-hmm. if I'm not. Battista or Battista. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems right. <laughs> there are some things that I do know. Cool. <laughs> Um, specifically some prints that he did that are called imaginary prisons, which, um, we should actually post on socials after this. Cause I think it would be really cool. Um, they're all, I, I was looking at them a little bit today. They're these like, um, sketches of huge halls with statues and lots of like old decaying, very, very similar to how the house is described in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see um, a bunch of different 
real life thing. I guess the magician's nephew is in a real life thing. Well, the book is. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to see a bunch of, of real life things, especially some that I've encountered before being represented in this book. And and also it was cool to learn more about, I had not, I think I had heard of Piranesi before, but I had not actually seen the imaginary prison prints. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting concepts to kind of like put together. Mm-hmm. It is also really interesting for me just to see like what inspires people. Yeah. Um, cause mm-hmm. I know I get really random inspiration from like some strange places and then people are just like, Oh, what inspired you? And I'm like, I, uh... <laughs> do I say a TikTok I saw last night? I don't know. <laughs> do I say this one piece of artwork that has haunted me yeah. for five years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it is, it is very interesting to see where people get their inspiration yeah, and absolutely. how it develops into like a written world. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes people will be inspired and like just create something in the same medium of our yeah. artwork, but finding it like cross mediums yeah. is super cool. I and really being like done that. so well, I think that's another thing. Again, we're just harping on and on and on about how great this book is, but I guess that's the point of this podcast. Um, but to, for me, I tend to have a harder time visually picturing something in my mind when I'm reading it. And even from like um, non-visual mediums like podcasts and things like that, if I'm not literally seeing it, it's hard for me to picture it in my mind's eye. But this book was so evocative. Like mm-hmm. there's so much poetic language around how things look that you can't not picture it. Mm-hmm. It's it is wow yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's very well written yeah um and again the the different styles of writing in a book that actually isn't that long yeah it's only like 250 less than 250 i think it's like 245 let's look yeah <laughs> so all those empty pages in the back which by the way when i saw made me incredibly nervous for how the story was gonna end <laughs> i was like oh god <laughs> yeah 245 yeah yeah, so it's under 250 pages. Yes. So to fit all that world building... Oh my god. And essentially three character shifts, or yep. three different characters, um, into one book is incredibly yeah. and impressive. And to do so without... It all takes place in the same year, the year the Albatross came to the... Southmost Hall. Southmost Hall or, or Southern whatever. Hall or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like there are these incredible time jumps. Occasionally there are, there's a time jump between Pierre and Essie and the one who is no longer Matthew. Um, and then there's some like reading of old journal entries from the past, but it's not very, uh, it, the story itself does not take place in a very long time. Yeah. It's over the course of like a couple of months. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the first entry is the entry for the first day of the fifth month in the year that Albatross came to the South, Southwestern halls. Uh-huh. And it ends right before going to the one who is no longer Matthew, the the last journal entry um, before he goes back to the real world and becomes the one who is no longer Matthew um, is the entry for the first day of the 10th month in the year the Albatross came to the Southwestern Halls. So from the beginning of the story up until that gap of time... Mm-hmm between Piranesi and the one who is no longer Matthew, it's literally five months. Yeah. So less than half a year. Yeah. We are really, we are seeing the tail end. I don't think we mentioned, but Piranesi had been at the house for uh, six-ish years. Yeah. Um, so we are just seeing the very tail end of this story. And it moves very quickly, but not in a way that feels rushed. Yeah. It, I don't think at any point when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, this is happening too fast. Yeah. Same. Because I do feel like once you start unraveling things, things do move quickly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, I actually feel like if it had moved any more slowly, I would have been like, get on with it. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's fair. I think too that that is um, some of what made me feel like, uh, you mentioned, you know, things start moving really quickly. I think that is some of what played into me continuing to think that it was still a hallucination because once things had started to question, like come into question about like, oh, is this who am I, where have I been from, you know, things start happening in the house. Things start happening mm. to the house. And so to me, I, or for me, I, I took that to mean that like, oh, this, you know, mental safe space that this person has made is 
falling to pieces. And the way that their brain is interpreting that is, oh, there's a flood in the house. <laughs> yeah, because there is a part, like, right after he finds... what is it right after he finds the old journals or realizes that his journals are numbered wrong? I mean, both. He finds yeah. out both at the same time. Yeah, he finds out both at the same time. And then I think he also finds out shortly after that that there will potentially be another person in the house. Mm-hmm. Um he looks at his charts of the floods and goes, oh no, there's going to be a flood, which... Charts of the tides. Charts of the tides, excuse me. Um, and realizes that there's going to be a flood. A big a flood. A big flood. Um, again, while I don't interpret it that way, um, I 100% see how you would see that and be like, oh, yeah. there is some sort of turmoil. Your mental safe space yeah. is more or yeah. less under attack, so it is yeah. going to react accordingly. And I guess, to be clear, I should say, having finished the book, I don't think I still feel like the whole thing was a hallucination. Like, I, I, I do think that the house was an actual location, I think, for the most part. I'm very mixed on it, because he, after um, the one who is no longer Matthew, takes... James, the yeah, person he who finds there before, James. he finds James, and they both go back to the house. But the way that they describe throughout the book people going to the house, there is a ritual. And so to me, I'm like, okay, are they just meditating, and that's how they get back to quote unquote the house? Mm-hmm. That is this just mental space? Um, but you know, shared hallucination, blah 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 blah. blah. Could go on for a while yeah. about that. But then there's also the 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 very last line of the book kind of, uh, well, I don't know. I don't want to give away, like, literally everything. But no. there's a lot to to go into. I feel very mixed on how I feel about whether or not the house was a real place or whether it was just a hallucination. I'm not settled yeah. on anything. But I did, for a very long time, think it exclusively was a hallucination. Yeah. Um, and to give a little bit of context, like, I think, by the end of the book, I think that in the context of the world of the book... Um, the house was a real place mm-hmm. and that Matthew was stuck there, became Piranesi, yeah. became the one who is no longer Matthew and the one who is no longer Matthew kind of jumps between, you know, going back to the house and coming back to the real world. Right. For um, Piranesi. Yeah. For Gracie, I can see why they would um, view it as potentially still this, like, you can go back to this place right. via a ritual because in the context of, like, a brainwashing, right. you would be able to right. more or less, not, f- I guess, force somebody to see yeah. something yeah. they're not seeing, like, yeah, and we don't yeah, have Yeah, I guess in, in my mind's eye, and, and we had talked about this a little bit yesterday when we were talking about the book the first time, um, in my mind's eye, once I had realized that, like, oh, this is, something is happening to Piranesi, like, P- Piranesi has been forcibly put in the house mm-hmm. via whatever means um I, I think in in my mind's eye it was kind of this idea of like oh he's been kidnapped and similar to james has been put in a room somewhere and there's this video that has the house playing mm-hmm. and he's just being you know brainwashed somehow. right and without getting into like wild fanatic right crime I mean, show like, stuff but, but like there that have was been instances where people have right. been like brainwashed right. pretty dramatically and right. have had some pretty interesting ways and we're not gonna get into all that right. that's not the, um, not the time or the place <laughs> yeah but if you want to do some research it is very fascinating to look at mm-hmm. um like what happens when the, a mind the limits of the human mind yeah yeah um and i think this book kind of parallels that whether or not that was intentional we've said that a million times i would say at least the uh, the fracturing of a human mind i i would say pretty intentionally it at least touches it Mm -hmm. whether or not it's deep diving and and how you know what Susanna clark's intents were throughout the whole book but it, it definitely touches on the subject i would say all this to say Read the book. Oh my god, yeah. Take some psychology <laughs> classes and educate yourself about mental illness. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think we should talk about the fact that when Piranesi was rescued, we were both sad. Yes. We didn't want him to leave the house. And like we did. I mean, I did I want desperately him to wanted him house. to leave the house. I desperately wanted him to be safe and to return to his family. But it was so sad. It was so sad because he loves the house so much. I mean, he worships the house. He, 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 he prays to the, the house. Yeah, he thinks of the house basically as both home and God. Yeah. 
it's so sad when he does leave and when someone does come to rescue him because he has grown to love this house so much. I mean, the other even says multiple times, like, you know the house better than I ever could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. Like, Piranesi forgets things and continues to forget things. But he remem- he will always remember everything there is to know about the house. Yeah. Every corridor he's gone through, every statue that he's seen, every minute detail, yeah. every unsafe place, he knows it mm-hmm. better than he knows. Yeah. And because Matthew was such a, like, detail-oriented reporter, the the way that Piranesi, the, the pieces of Matthew that are still in Piranesi, he dedicates his life, basically, this six years, which is as far as he knows, as far as Piranesi knows, his entire life, to learning about the house and taking care of himself and, like, the birds in the house. Like, he literally helps some of the birds that are there build a nest because they don't have the stuff to do it. And he's like, oh, I have dried seaweed. That would work for a bird nest. And he like learns about how the tides work and he Mm -hmm. takes extremely detailed notes and he he literally studies the the constellations and names them and names them. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he, he loves the house. Yeah. He loves the house as if it is. And in many ways it is part of his own soul well he calls himself a child of the house multiple Mm -hmm. times throughout the book and i i think that you know talking about fractured personality and fractured personhood i think piranesi is a child of the house he was born in the house Mm -hmm. and that is his home yeah and so when someone eventually does come to rescue him Mm -hmm. it is heartbreaking yeah because you recognize, it, one, you recognize that it is necessary for him to leave because if he stays, he will continue to forget. And will likely not survive forever. Because mm-hmm. while he is taking care of himself, he was also receiving lots of things from the other to aid his survival. Yes. Um, yeah, so... It, you recognize that he does have to leave, but you also recognize that there is a part of him that will never be complete as mm-hmm. long as he is outside of the house. Yeah. And I mean, you want to talk about some parallels to mental health and mental illness. That is, to me, such an interesting like way to talk about recovery. Oh my God. And therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I won't go in too deep. I won't go in too deep. But like this idea, and this is something that like, and again, as a person who, who has been in therapy, who shouldn't be in therapy now, who, who does struggle with mental, with my mental health regularly, there is a lot of fear around getting better and, and becoming the person who, who is safe, becoming a person who is healthy because you're losing a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like your your mental illness, the part of you that is unwell has been with you for so long. Mm-hmm. It's quote unquote all you know. Mm-hmm. And so to 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 move on from that is terrifying because, mm-hmm. you know, who will I be when I'm healthy? Yeah. What part of myself am I losing when I'm healthy? And like again, obviously for people who are who who don't deal with mental illness, this is not something you're going to be able to grasp and to understand. And that's fine. You know, thank God for, you know, like, yeah. like you, it doesn't make any sense to a person who, who doesn't struggle with their mental health to be like, well, why wouldn't you want to be healthy? Cause of course, of course. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like, I think it is another thing too, to say like, even if you say like, Oh, wouldn't it be a good thing to like leave the thing that is, is hurting, is you. hurting you. Yes. Yes and no. Right. I mean, like, because you do this, this, for listeners, this took a way different turn than where we were 100% planning to go. Yeah. Um, but, like, even in the sense of, like, not even losing the mental illness part, but, like, you build your life around learning how to function in the space that you live in that mental space that you live so even without the mental illness you may not know how to live and cope your entire routine will change yeah because you're just like i don't know how to survive without 
putting all these things in place to help me function. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's such a like powerful thing that the one who is no longer Matthew deals with when Mm -hmm. he gets back to the real world. Um, Because there is this weird, he talks about the weird transition period from Piranesi to the one who is no Mm -hmm. longer Matthew of like, why did Matthew do all these things? I don't understand. Money was difficult for me. Mm-hmm. You know, X, Y, Z. I don't need all of these things. Why I don't do need I have all so of these things. things. So it's like, I I cannot imagine living a life where you were mentally ill and fully recovered from being mentally ill yeah. because I don't know how that would yeah. work. I literally have a, like, not to get too real on the podcast, but I literally have a personality disorder. I have no idea who I would be if I didn't have mental illness. Like, <laughs> it's literally my personality. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think, again, you know, that, like, again, this got a little more, uh, like, side... A deep it, it dive. A, a deep dive that I, that I wasn't expecting. But, like, I think that truly, again, is one of those reasons that, like, this book was so well-written and, and feels like it hits so close to home, even though it is nothing I've ever experienced before. It's wild. Yeah. And I do I do highly recommend this to people. I, and I'll say this again in the recommended section, but, like, I do highly recommend this to people who are mentally ill and I feel like would track with this book Mm -hmm. but also those who maybe want to know what it would feel like to have an extreme disassociative oh yeah um like period or take a look at like the emotions that go through recovery yeah because I feel like this book Again, I don't know what the author intended, but this book is just too perfect as like a parallel to give to somebody and be like, read this and then try and understand (laughs) the emotions behind that. That's what it feels like to try and get into a recovery space. Yeah. Yeah. Just empathizing with the, with Piranesi about like, like there's a point where Piranesi actively chooses not to learn more about Matthew because it is hard. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, there are words in my journals, in Matthew's journals, that don't have any meaning to me. But they, you know, they mm-hmm. itch a, a part in my brain. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, empathizing with the idea of, like... Because, of course, there's some level of frustration of, like, no, you're so close to figuring it out. You're so close to figuring mm-hmm. it out. But, like, God, is it hard to figure it out. And, mm-hmm. like, the whole thing is a struggle. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. What's our next question? <laughs> um, the next question that I have here is like for favorite parts of the book. I feel and, like we've. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about one part oh, in particular. Because yeah. there is one part that like I read it. And I, you know what? I'm actually just going to read the quote. Yeah, um, Because it like. I remember it was one of those parts that like I read it and immediately like ran over to Gracie and was like. I have feelings. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's towards the beginning of the book. It's on page 59 of the hardcover edition. Um, and Piranesi is describing a room that he has never been to before. Oh, yeah. Or he's been there, but he's never been inside of the room. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he knows where it is, but because it's so difficult to get to, he's never, like, gone into the room and waited there in night. Because he also mm-hmm. has, like, a camp-ish area that he's set up with all the stuff mm-hmm. they need to, to survive. So, like, so to get to this room, he has to actively, like... Leave his home base. Leave his home base and plan to be away from his home base for several days. Mm-hmm. Which is dangerous. Um, yeah. <laughs> and in the moonlight, he sees the full moon come up and sees this room... Um, And in the room, instead of the statues being, like, in neat columns and lines on their own plithes, the room is filled with statues that are all either looking towards the moon or in some way interacting with each other, Mm -hmm. which is not something that Piranesi has ever encountered before in his existence. Yeah. And um, he talks about... um, Okay. He describes several of the statues and then the last part Mm -hmm. of the paragraph. The rear wall was a mass of statues, not neatly arranged in tiers, but a jumbled, chaotic crowd. Foremost among them was a young man who stood bathed in the moonlight, elation on his face, a banner in his hand. I almost forgot to breathe. For a moment, I had an inkling of what it might be like if instead of two people in the world, there were thousands. Mm -hmm. And that 
that hit me so hard because again it, it hit me hard when I first read it because it was this sense of like how lonely Piranesi must be while still not being lonely mm-hmm. like being lonely without recognizing that you are lonely and then after reading the book and having all of those thoughts about like oh my god this tracks so much with like at least the emotions the, the emotions around. of mental illness yeah. and and poor mental health um realizing you're not alone in your struggles mm-hmm. like it hits so much harder now as mm-hmm. well um so i that that is probably my favorite scene yeah. in the book just because of the heavy emotion that goes along with yeah. it i think one of my favorites i i loved so much about this book but i think one of my favorites is actually towards the i think the the app my actual favorite is the very last scene but i'm not going to talk about that because i don't want to like ruin it ruin the end because <laughs> it's very very good um but second to that would probably be the um there's this journal entry where piranesi is trying to decide if he should go back to the, the real world the world where matthew lived mm-hmm. um and basically that how he comes to the decision is because he cares about Matthew and he wants to take care of Matthew and also he doesn't want to be alone anymore. And so it actually parallels your, <laughs> your favorite quite nicely um, because it, it is, it's that thing of like, I am actively giving up, you know, he, he goes around and he says goodbye to each of his favorite rooms and all of his favorite statues and he's leaving all of his favorite things behind potentially for all he knows for the very last time. Um, because he wants to take care of Matthew because he knows Matthew is still there. Mm-hmm. And because he, you know, Matthew has sisters and parents who miss him. And if Piranesi had parents who missed him, Piranesi would, I mean, Piranesi would do anything for that. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing that for Matthew. And even though Matthew is still asleep, at least the physical presence of him will be there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, again, it does then turn into the one who is not Matthew and, and things get a little more complicated than that. But I think that Piranesi just wants to, to take care of Matthew mm-hmm. in a way that is really, really beautiful. And and thinking about, again, it, it does really all tie back to mental health. Um, something that is talked about a lot is kind of the like inner child Mm -hmm. and like you taking care of your inner child and your inner child taking care of you in that relationship and I think really that is what we're seeing with Piranesi is that like Piranesi is you know I mean six years old Piranesi's a baby Mm -hmm. and he you know loves where he is and he wants to stay here but also wants to take care of of Matthew and the body that Matthew inhabits ugh ugh so what do you think the purpose of this book was? To me, it seems like the purpose of the book is to write about how brains look when they break and when they are broken, mm-hmm. but they're forced to still survive. Um, but in a way that isn't like the cliche, oh, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's me being sad. Because like, I think especially for, you know, if we want to look at this as disassociative, sometimes you are disassociating and you seem perfectly normal, perfectly normal and perfectly almost happy, sometimes mm-hmm. even to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there have been periods of time where I've like realized a couple of days down the road, I was like, oh, I wasn't, that wasn't, mm-hmm. I was disassociating. You know, like it's just like down the road where I'm like, oh, ah, weird. Um... And again, talking about mental health in a way that is beautiful and relatable to people who have experienced it, but also potentially like eye-opening to people who haven't. Mm-hmm. At least that seems to be the purpose to me. Yeah. I think for me, the purpose of the book is I I feel like without knowing more about the background mm-hmm. of the book itself um, and how it came into being... Um, I feel like the purpose of this book is to talk about who you are when you lose yourself. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you lose everything that made you, you, how much of you sticks around? Yeah. Because there are still things that carry through. Yeah. Um, each 
person from Matthew to Piranesi to the one who is no longer Matthew. Mm-hmm. There are still certain things that stay consistent. Yeah. Um, and there are other things that completely change. Yeah. So for me, the book's purpose is to talk about, well, while still just being a good fantasy story, mm-hmm. um, is to talk about how much of you stays when you are no longer you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is a very powerful thing on multiple levels, yeah. no matter how you want to look at it. Right. So what kind of a rating would you give this book? Well, I gave it five out of five on Goodreads. So, I think I also gave it five out of five. I think you gave it a four because I looked. <laughs> I'm going to pull it up now because if I didn't give it a five, I think I need to. <laughs> Follow me at Book Infested on, on Goodreads. I did give it a four. I Why no did idea. I give it a four? I don't know. Maybe you're pretty stingy with your fives. That's true. I think. I am not. <laughs> I, I am very stingy with my fives because for me, a five is like you literally can't. This book could not have been better. I would say that that is the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. Yeah. But, like, if there's anything when I'm reading a book and I'm like, mm, the, that could have been better, mm-hmm. it doesn't get a five. A five for me is literally, like, I cannot think of anything that could have been done to improve this book. Mm. Um, yeah, I am way more loosey-goosey with my fives. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I hope I added this to my favorites. If I didn't, I'm failing myself. <laughs> Two seconds while Ray checks to make sure that this is on her favorites list. You're good. Ha! I did put it in my favorites. <laughs> I don't know if any of that's going to go in pod, but it was very funny. <laughs> I have no idea either. I'll find out once I'm editing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Definitely five out of five. If not a full five, then like a 4.75. Yeah. And, and I think that's how I, going back to Goodreads, I think that's kind of my thing is if I'm like, if it's, because you can't do halves. Mm-hmm. So if I'm like, well, it was above a four, I'll just give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would you recommend this to? I mean, we kind of already touched on it a little bit. People who, who are struggling or who have struggled with some, some mental illness, especially kind of that like fractured sense of self. Um, people trying to empathize and learn more about that. Um, obviously if you're going into that topic completely blind, this might not be the best unless you have somebody in your life who is struggling with that and you're both reading the book and they can go, yep, yep, this right here, that's me. Um, but also just anybody who likes a good fantasy that ends really Mm -hmm. trippy, like not trippy again. Um, what was the word we used at the beginning? Surreal. Surreal. Yeah. Any kind of like surreal literature, surreal fiction. Um, Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. I think I would say similarly, um, anybody who wants a good fantasy, but also um, fantasy realism, Mm kind of overlap book, would highly recommend, would highly recommend it to somebody who wants a fiction book that could be used in like a philosophical discussion yeah because i definitely like i said right away at the beginning and we didn't really talk much about it but i do feel like there's enough of like philosophical input and it reads like a it almost reads like a philosophical manifesto kind of thing i was gonna say one of the other things it it was compared to on the wikipedia page was um a parable by plato i don't remember which one anymore, yeah the parable but... of the cave yes yes yeah and it definitely reads similarly to not i haven't read that specifically but like to parables or like philosophical thought questions of like a man yeah. goes into a house and blah blah, blah. yeah it, it definitely feels An expanded like, version yeah it feels like one of those things where somebody's trying to explain a philosophical concept and does so in the form of a story yes um so if you're wanting a fiction piece that feels very much like a philosophical quandary go forward and read this book yeah this book yeah <laughs> um again like how Gracie said, if you have suffered or currently suffering with some sort of mental illness um, and you want a book that just feels both safe and like yeah. it parallels yeah. the struggles um, or at least the emotions of mm-hmm. recovery. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things is that this book felt very familiar without it being triggering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think, is a really difficult thing to find, is finding yeah. something that... Especially in fiction. In fiction that 
um, is like it seems um, oxymoronic to say it is a safe mental illness book. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. But that's like, it how is. it feels. It absolutely is. So if somebody's looking for something like that, please read this book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're wanting to get some of those emotions, but you have not suffered with mental illness, or if you're wanting to have a conversation with somebody about how it feels to have mental illness, you guys can both read this book mm-hmm. and they can use this to like, point out a lot of things mm-hmm. and, and that's just an idea you don't have to but i mean like it it's an idea of if, something if you that's something do. you're looking for if that's yeah. something you want to do um yeah i think those are the the main mm-hmm. the main people that i would suggest reading yeah this all right any final thoughts this was really good oh this was such a good book. and that's it's rare for me to sit down after reading a book and be like this is so good it's so good <laughs> oh man you gotta breed better books, my dude. <laughs> well, but here's the thing: is that like I'm so critical of endings mm. that a lot of times I'll read a book. Oh my and... god, I loved the ending of this book. I I also I want to okay. talk about it for five hours. <laughs> okay, we've all been four people who are listening to this right now. This episode is not going to be this long, but as we're recording this, we are almost at the one hour and twenty minute mark. I think mark <laughs> one hour and twenty minute mark, and. I just want to say this. For me, <clears throat> endings are the most difficult thing mm-hmm. for me to enjoy yeah. in any story. I can enjoy an entire book and hate the ending. Mm-hmm. And it will ruin the entire book for me. Which is why I'm so critical of books and why it is so hard for me to find yeah. something that I read and I'm like, I love this so much. Yeah. Usually what will happen is I'll read something and be like, yeah, it was a pretty good story. It was pretty good. Here are some things about it that I thought were um, valid and, you know, well-written, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just, like, not super wild about it. Even things that I super love, it's hard for me to enjoy the endings. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ending to this book was but the so ending good, this book we're was... not even going to tell you what it is. Yeah, the ending to this book <laughs> was so well-written, and it was, I think perfect for the story it was telling simple like it Mm. it it was complex without trying to be complex well yeah when i say simple i don't mean easy when i say simple i mean it was without giving away it's literally him going for a walk yeah and what he sees on his walk Mm -hmm. and then it ends with one line that ties the whole oh oh if we had recorded the 451 episode after this book i would have had this book on my list Mm, yeah i think because i think that this book will impact me for a very long time yeah also for context of again how long we've been recording and how much we love this book we did not this was not a book we planned to record an episode about yeah literally last night after gracie (laughs) finished this book i was like so pure nessie (laughs) and i was like podcast (laughs) (laughs) like we most of our like podcast book reviews are planned out beforehand like before we even read the books we're like yeah this is what i'm gonna want to talk about but oh man we couldn't not talk about this book. Mm-hmm. It was too good. Yeah. I'm so excited. We'll have to both read the other one and review it eventually. Shout out to my friend Adia who recommended this book to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Adia, if yeah. you're listening. Thank you, Adia, oh my God. so much. <laughs> <laughs> I you will forever be changed our lives. <laughs> um, so, this is what y'all are going to want to do. I say y'all, having never lived in the South once. Um, y'all is a gender neutral collective term. <laughs> Uh, this is what y'all are going to want to do. Open up your device, phone, computer. <laughs> I hate you. What are you doing? <laughs> Open up your device, your phone, your laptop, your tablet. Ask your parents. Your Apple Watch. <laughs> your Apple Watch. Your Google Home. <laughs> open it up. <laughs> Rip it open. <laughs> Activate the device. <laughs> open up an internet browser. Go to subtextbooks.com. Order this book from them mm-hmm. right now. Do it. <laughs> Purchase it. They will either mail it to you or if you're in the St. Paul area, you can go pick it up from them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a sponsored thing. 
we just both really love subtext and this and book that's was where amazing. We got the book. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I bought that book. So. And also support your local bookstores. If you're not in the Twin Cities, if you're not in Minnesota, if you're not within relative mailing distance, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you've got a place that has this book near you, support your local bookstores. Always, always, always. But if you are close to subtext books, get to subtext books. <laughs> yeah. If you're close to subtext books or if you don't know what your local bookstores are. Yeah. Order it from subtext. Yes. Have it mailed to you or go pick it up. It's so good, guys. Ugh. Please. <laughs> so good. I am begging you. <laughs> Please, I'm crying. <laughs> Don't cry. <laughs> all right. I think, finally, that is all we have for you guys today. After an <laughs> hour and 25 minutes of recording. That's the longest record time we've had. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, other than the two-parter, but... Technically, we, we didn't, didn't even film that, that the yeah. same day. <laughs> film it? I, well, we didn't I said technically we didn't film it, and I was not wrong. <laughs> you can tell that we've been recording for longer than we ever have because we're deteriorating right before your ears. <laughs> we're deteriorating right into your ear canals. <laughs> no, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't want to do And this. on that note. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Choice Words. <laughs>